8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So you may conf- just to confirm the reference some people made about the morning and even on Twitter because well he must see what the call had a double feature today quite by chance not planned where he was on the air in SFM this morning and and on the air with me uh, this evening as we had planned a long time ago these things happen but interesting takes different interview with different questions just different ways of coming across and ultimately uh, you can take your pick of course as we get into election mode we're going to have to speak to a whole range of uh, political parties from the largest parties. Uh, to the smallest parties, and, and you can therefore be rest assured that you will be informed regarding their politics and their policies and their views and their take and their solutions as well. So in the light of all that you've heard about uh, with Masiwa Lakota, do you give him a, a thumbs up? You can tweet me right away uh, and say thumbs up if you agree with him by and large or do you give him a thumbs down? Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. You can SMS me as well, 40938. Let me just tell you, many people tried um, to send WhatsApp voice notes as well. We, we played a few. We couldn't play them all. Uh, preferably, there just was not enough time. I think the, the key just take out with Masiwa Lakota is people have a view on him. You know, in a world where they say, don't be anonymous. The good thing about him is people have views, strong views. And that's no doubt about it. So therefore, people wanted to say whatever. Very few supportive, I must say, but they do have views. We'll have a podcast of that discussion tomorrow morning um, around 9 o'clock. So listen out for that. Go to the SFM website. You'll find the podcast. I'll also tweet it as well in my timeline. So moving on from there, time to catch your breath because we get move on to other things of importance where another person is certainly going to get you thinking. Uh, it was also divisive, I think, in many ways. People love him and people's like, nah, I don't like his politics at all. Um, well, let's see. Becky is my guest. We're going to talk about South Africa and our continent, South Africa, Africa, and our relationship, our business relationship, uh, and maybe political relationship as well, with that big giant called China. Uh, so once again, as always, good chatting to you, the political economist, Mwele Timbeki. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Ashraf. It's great to be on your show. Good. Last time you were in Egypt when we spoke. Where are you tonight? <laughs> no, I am in Johannesburg. Okay. I thought for a second you could well be in the DRC or some other hotspot of our world, including maybe neighboring Zimbabwe, right? Which maybe is a good way to start off with. You know, what's your understanding of, you know, China's place in Africa? Well, um, China is is the is the world's second largest economy. So that that's what one has to understand. So China uses a lot of things that it has to buy from the rest of the world, including Africa. Um, now, we in Africa generally produce uh, raw materials. Africa is hugely well endowed with minerals, in, in particular gold, oil, copper, whatever. So it, it, it's a very well endowed continent. Um, so China sources from Africa uh, a great deal of minerals uh, for its own in, in its own industries, but it sources from other places: Australia, Brazil, uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, so it doesn't just buy from Africa. Now, how do you respond to a common theme that I hear when people say 
China's investing in, Afri- in Africa in terms of infrastructure and, and capital investment. That's great. Thumbs up. And then I hear it. China's investing in Africa, infrastructure and capital. Thumbs down. They're meddling in our continent. Which, which one's the right approach to, to respond to? Well, you know, uh, China China was also uh, bullied by the Western powers. So, so China is very sensitive about its relations. Uh, especially its economic relations with Africa. So everything that China does in Africa, uh, is the, it does with the consent of the African government. So many people seem to think that China comes in like the old European uh, colonialist and rides rough short of Africa. No, China doesn't do that. China is here at the permission of African governments more or less everything that it does is approved by African government. So that that is a, a very important aspect of the relationship between China and Africa. Now, the African governments may or may not be good negotiators, but that that is not really uh, can't be blamed on the Chinese. Mm-hmm. So, can if, if if one describe China as the modern day colonizer in terms of commercial colonization is, is that a very harsh and an inaccurate statement to make yeah it's a totally inaccurate statement to make it's, it's an untrue statement uh, china buys what it buys from from africa it does not force the africans to sell the colonialists forced africa uh, to sell to them and they dictated the price at which Africa sold to them. Uh, they even forced the Africans and told them what to sell to them. So, so, so they, there is no comparison between what the colonialists did in Africa and what China is doing. China is buying what Africa is selling. Uh, it's buying them at world market prices. Uh, it does not dictate what the price should be. Um, so, so yes, we Africans are suspicious of big powers, and quite rightly so, given the treatment we received in the last 500 years from big powers. But in the case of China, China is not what the Europeans did to Africa. Mm. How do we know that they won't change, for example? I mean, there's a history of colonizers. Uh, wherever they've come from, I mean, you know, they, they could be in a, in a country or a continent, well, let's say a country for for 100 years or sometimes even longer, as you know, and, and it means different people are in charge, right? Uh, different regimes within the colonizer. How can we say with certainty that the Chinese leadership and their policies with South Africa and Africa now will be the same now and 100 years from now? Well, there, there is always, uh, Ashraf, one way to guarantee that your interests are looked after. You have to arm yourself. There, there is a famous general, I think it was Julius Caesar, he said that uh, if you want to keep the peace, prepare for war. So just to make sure that the Chinese don't change their mind uh, 10 years from now and start bullying us. You, uh, as South Africa or as Zambia, uh, just make sure you also have the big guns that the Chinese have. But, but how, how does one safeguard oneself when, and you can correct it if I'm, if I'm wrong in this, that the vast majority of China's trading partners in Africa, in fact, all of them would be in terms of financial clout, 
far 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 more inferior uh, to to the massive economic clout of of china so in terms of uh, trading partners yes you may have some resources but but you desperately need the chinese to buy your resources it's not quite an, an equal relationship no 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 you actually china is not the only country that buys africa resources we have huge economies in the world the largest economy in the world is the United States. It buys Africa's resources. So we're not obliged to sell our resources to China. We have other markets. Germany is one of the largest economies in the world. It buys resources for, from Africa. Uh, it buys products from, from Africa, from, from South Africa. So it's not correct to say that uh, China is the only market we have. If China... Uh, is not buying at the price which we are happy with, we would sell to somebody else. But also, I mean, on the other end, there are only so many markets one can go to. So if China says no, for example, and uh, let's say Germany says no, then suddenly you're short of takers, aren't you? Yes, but but then uh, that is normally called an economic slump. I mean, if, if there's a crisis in the world economy, then we get affected uh, and also, we won't buy from China either if there is a crisis in the world economy. So it's not one-way traffic. Uh, we also can decide not to buy from China if we feel the terms are not right. Uh, then we go to somebody else. We go to Japan. We can go to South Korea. We can go to uh, Brazil, to somebody else. So, it's, you know, in trade, it's always about the terms. Uh, the terms of trade uh, about world prices is what uh, China paying for our iron ore, for example, mm-hmm. is it the same as what they pay for Australia's iron ore? And 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 if it's not, in, and if they are paying less for ours, they, then we stop selling to them. Are are they paying less? Are we are we negotiating poorly? No, I, I I think that generally in terms of of trade, I mean there there are other things. But if we talk in terms of trade, most of the products that Africa sells uh, have prices have what are called world prices. So so oil, for example, the the price of oil is we know it every day. Uh, when you open your radio in the morning, you mm-hmm. will be told. Well, how, what is the, uh, the world price of a barrel of oil or an ounce of gold? Now, if, if China came to us and said, no, I'm not buying your gold at the, at the price that the world market is buying, I'm going to buy it at less then we have a right to say no, we won't sell to okay. you. I'll certainly pick up still on that issue of, of just how then do we safeguard ourselves. We'll do that in a second. Well, let's see, Becky is with me. He'll be with me for the next uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes maximum, 0891-104-207. Understanding China's relationship with South Africa, China's relationship with the rest of the African continent. Pro on the line from Peter Marisberg. Go ahead, hello. Hi, Hashaf, how are you doing? Yeah, you're the pro, so you you tell me. Go ahead, hello. <laughs> I'd like to, uh, to greet Mr. Mbego and I'd like the line. <laughs> yeah. Ashraf, uh, I'm very concerned that Mr. Mbego is taking this very casual. His treatment into it is, is very casual, casual. I don't think he takes the reality of what China is doing in uh, just ordinary communities, not on an, on an above scale 
kind of economy. Um, the day we have China, uh, I don't know what I say, as a partner or, or what, I don't, I, I don't even know how to fit China in our, in our scope uh, as in terms of calling them. But uh, we, we found a simplest thing, the, the, the tax shops in the township, which our, our old ladies uh, uh, made money to take us to school, that today we are able to speak English, have no longer have such jobs. Uh, what is what does what is his, 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 his take on that? You know, he takes this very casual. Uh, I mean, the other thing is that I want to ask him is the fact that okay, but perhaps you must tell us why do you think he's taking casual? Meaning, give me an example of when you say he's taking it casually. Yes, where? When, tell me when, 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 when he says that China is not is not bullying us or is not they intending to to colonize us as such. You know, at some point we sneezed. The whole entire country should sneeze. When we heard that at some point we have to teach our children to speak Mandarin, you know, uh, that's a sign of, of uh, 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 a, coloni- a colonist want us to, to, to understand their language. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, uh, and, and that's why I need, I need to understand, are we ready, even for the fact that, are we ready for the BRICS as the country? Okay, got that. Thank you. Interesting points. Thanks for raising them, uh, Pro. Uh, Muleti and Becky with me. Go ahead, respond to that. Uh, yes, um, I think uh, wh- what the caller is saying that uh, we used to have uh, family shops, family traders in the townships. Now we have Chinese, we have Pakistanis, we have Somalis uh, who, who are running these shops. Uh, but but nobody has forced uh, forced us to to accept those people. The, the South African government has approved for these people to come into the country and to set up the shops that, that they have set up. Now, if he, decide, the caller, disagrees with the decisions of the South African government, then he should raise that with the South, with the South African government. But you can't blame a Chinese person from setting up a shop which is licensed by, by, by the South African government or its institutions and say that the Chinese are forcing, are dominating us. They are not. Our government has given them the permission to do what they are doing. Mm. So I don't agree with them that I am being casual. The point is that uh, the, the South African government has, has agreed to what the Chinese are doing in South Africa. And can, as I, if I can just repeat, Ashraf, yeah. if he is not happy with what the Chinese are doing, then he must take it up with the South African government and say, withdraw this person's trading license or uh, investigate what this person is doing. You also know that uh, it's not very likely the government's going to listen to one individual. I mean, people have a a range of problems that they raise with government or local municipalities, and it appears that that nothing ever happens. But perhaps maybe the broader question to ask then is, to, to what degree has Chinese involvement in South Africa and Africa um, really made a positive impact in, in our continent. G- give us examples, if you can. Well, you know, all trade, Ashraf, uh, if it is not forced, is a mutually beneficial process. We have, just to give an example, we, we have gold in this country, which we, need, we want to sell to somebody in order to buy oil from the oil-producing countries, we don't have oil. So we have to sell our gold to somebody. 
Now, China comes along and says, I need gold. Uh, I will buy it at world prices uh, in dollars. And then we take the dollars and go to Saudi Arabia or to Nigeria and buy oil. That's a mutually beneficial exchange. How you you said earlier on that South Africans need to find, or South Africa and Africa, we need to find ways to safeguard ourselves. How, how does one do that practically? What advice would you give, you know, a government, a minister of trade uh, or, or finance of, of certain countries? Well, well, well Ashraf, they, they, there's a, a huge variety of risks that any country faces or any population faces. So we, we have to understand what are the real risks that we are faced with and what should we do either to mitigate or to overcome those risks. For us to just panic just because there is a big country or a foreign country coming to South Africa, then we, we, that's how you are left unprotected because you don't understand what risks you, you, you are facing. So the, the, I mean, if, just to give you an example, look at the at illegal fishing in South Africa for abalone, for example, by foreigners, or the, the, the poaching of rhinos by foreigners in South Africa. We know this is happening, but what are we doing to protect the resources of South Africa? It is up to us, the South Africans, to take action to stop that rhinos are not being poached, abalone in our high seas uh, are not, is not being poached, crayfish is not being poached. We have to take action for, to protect ourselves. What about the, the it may be unintended, uh, because maybe the at, at, at high level it's all about trade, okay, but the, the cultural impact of, of other communities, in this case Chinese, uh, besides other communities, but let's take, we're talking Chinese here, coming to South Africa and the rest of the African continent over a period of time, the impact they would make in terms of their language and their culture and therefore uh, Africans then being, if not forced to, they, they're not forced to, but, but inadvertently they, they would need to adopt uh, their language and their understanding and other cultures to be able to trade with them. What do you feel about that? I think that's a point that, that caller raised earlier on. Yes, you know what we, 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 we forget, we the South Africans, is that we also have impact on other people's countries. If you go to Zambia today, you will find ShopRite checkers there. You will find pick and pay. You will find steers. Now, we are having, and they have certain types of food that they are selling to the Zambia. So we are exporting our culture to Zambia or to Zimbabwe or, 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 to, or to, to, even to England. You will find Nando's chicken in London. So, so we, in, the, in the modern world of today, we also impact on other people's culture. We have footballers mm-hmm. who are playing soccer in, 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 in the Premier League in the, in the, in the United Kingdom. Uh, they are playing in Turkey, they are playing in Ukraine. So we also influence other people's cultures. And that's just the way it is. Well, I think the football is a good example. Some say we don't have enough footballers playing in some of the largest leagues in the world, but that's another whole debate completely, right? Why then do you think... So, I mean, you're saying in terms of the impact of globalization, that's the way to take it. Why then do we still get 
such reaction as we've heard where, you know, the very thought of Chinese investing here or others, almost like it comes across as the country's being tainted? Yes, because of our history. I mean, we 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 have a lot. Remember, it's the first foreigners who came here and and took South, the assets of South Africans were the Portuguese. And if I remember correctly, it, it was somewhere in 1513 where they raided the the, the Koi communities uh, for the for their cattle uh, somewhere next to where Mosul Bay is today. So we have been attacked by foreigners over the last last 500 years. So I'd, it is it is fair and it is correct for South Africans to say this shouldn't be allowed to repeat itself. But 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 we 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 have to. Not all foreigners are coming here with malicious intent. So we 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 have to to be able to, not to be paranoid. We have to 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 to. to to understand that we also influence the rest of the world. We don't take, we don't force Zambians to buy steers, uh, but steers produces quality. It produces safe food, uh, and that's why. And it produces food that tastes nicely. So that's why the Zambians buy it. It's not because they are forced by South Africans to buy it. Okay, let's get to further calls. 0891-104-207. My guest is Mwiletsi um, Mbeki. We're talking about China's, effectively China's business relationship in the main. Uh, but of course, it overlaps into culture with business relationship with South Africa and Africa and whether that's this new form of colonization. Is that a massive knee-jerk? If we think that, then what exactly is this relationship? Is it good for us as a country and us as a continent? In Tlantla from KZN, you're on the air. Give me your viewpoint. Hi, Ashraf. How are you? I'm good indeed, yeah. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're being colonized now by China. Uh, but of course, as Mr. Mbegi is saying, uh, it is at the behest of our government that our government is failing to do what uh, China does. Because uh, China has developed its own citizens. It has armed them financially so that... Uh, they will colonize other countries, and South Africa is agreed. It did not invest in our in its people. You okay, know, but it let's let's rewind. Let's go. You you're very clear. Your first line: We are being colonized by China. Explain why you think we've been colonized. Uh, because uh, you know the, the trouser uh, that you, you would have bought uh, from South Africa, now it should come with the Chinese to sell the very same, but it's a very poor quality. They produce exactly what has been produced here at home, but it's 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 poor quality. But is that is so that colonization? I, then isn't that maybe yes. just we silly? Why are we buying it from them then? Yes, it's it's, it's colonization because our people, in fact, have been squeezed, not to have, you know, uh, not to compete with China because they're selling it at a, at a lower a lowest price. So our people are selling at a price that will benefit them, that will sustain them. But China doesn't care. They they come here and dump, uh, you know, uh, everything that they have uh, that they don't use in China. But they're selling it, whether it's a, it's a, it's a coffee table, whether it's a soft, anything that is sold by, uh, by the Chinese, 
is not of good quality as it were when South Africa would produce it. Right. And well, they shocked. also sell trains and, and, and many other things and some say the quality is pretty good. I'm just saying that. Okay, let's get a response. Thanks for that call. But, 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 yeah? but there is another one. Okay. You know, Nando's is not, is not from South Africa. It's from Portugal. No, you're wrong. Nando's. Is a South African... Portuguese chicken. No, but, but the is product a, is... He's a Portuguese chicken. Now they came here and they're doing it. Yeah, it's a South African product that is obviously borrowed, uh, like we've just said earlier on, we all borrow ideas from other people, and they're, they're this fancy narrative of a... Of a but it's not original from, from, from South Africa. But, but does it matter? It's South African. It matters, because our people can produce better uh, chicken, uh, uh, fried chicken or bright chicken uh, than Nando's. They call it chicken dust. Okay, well, why are they we can not... Produce, and the government doesn't go to them and support them to say, you can produce your own, your own original, you know. Then we want to support you, come together, form cooperatives. Let me help you. Okay, let's get, let's get a response. Tantla, I, I need to get a response. Thank you for that call. Uh, some interesting points made by Tantla, from Nando's to colonization to a, a whole lot more. <laughs> yes. Comment on that? And poor quality yes, as well. Yes, you know, Nando's is, is, a, is a South African product. Um... And the, the South Africans who put together Nando, they they may have uh, copied some sources uh, here and there, like everybody else. Uh, after all, you know the Europeans uh, got pepper from from the Indians uh, and so on. So people exchange uh, what they what they like. So Nando's is a South is a South African company, and it operates in many other parts of the world. MTN, the cellular phone company, is a South African company. Uh, it operates in the Middle East, it operates in West Africa, in the rest of Africa, and, and so on. The fact that the people who use the, the cell phone are using, for example, a cell phone from, from, from uh, America or from South Korea or from China, well, that's not MTN. MTN is... It doesn't stop MTN being a South African company. So I, I think the caller is, is, is missing. Okay, but the, the broader what point he made African. was that, in fact, that uh, China is colonizing Africa. No, no, no. He, he is definitely wrong there. As I said at the, at the very beginning, mm-hmm. to colonize, you need guns first. You need to compel the, the people in the foreign country at gunpoint to do what you want to do. That is what what is called colonization. China has no guns in South Africa. It is not compelling anyone to buy a pair of inferior pair of trousers from The caller is saying the Chinese is inferior. Well, he can buy a German pair of trousers. The Chinese are not forcing him. Or he can buy a, a better quality. South Africa still produces trousers, by the way. So he can buy uh, South African trousers as well. So, so China is not forcing anyone to do anything. Okay, let's get another call before we wrap up. Bernard from Limpopo, it's your chance. Get me, let, let's, share, let's get your viewpoint, Bernard. Thank you, sir. Um, I, 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 you know, what I, I keep saying about the, the, the emergence of China in Africa, I see the approach as a scientific colonization approach. They are here... Um, to do business with us, but in a way that is, you know, um, 
that is meant to colonize Africa again, but in a way that is so much scientific. And so we cannot call it colonization, but that is, they have some sort of neocolonial you know, tendencies. And I, I feel that um, Africa, especially with South Africa, I, I, I keep asking myself, are we having the right conversation in, in Africa, and especially in South Africa? Uh, because uh, if you look at the African continent, we, we are a huge continent. We are over 1.2 billion people. We have the market here. And so um, I look at South Africa as the, as the most industrialized country in Africa. Then I said, what is South Africa actually doing in, in Africa? Is South Africa tapping into the market potential that we have in Africa? Uh, but if you come to South Africa, the conversation is literally not about how, you know, how to develop the, the country and possibly, you know, conquer the African continent. The debate in South Africa has always been, you know, racial issues and, and, and the issues of, 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 of politics, which, which is not in the, in, in the benefit of, of, of the continent. But South Africa has been sleeping for way too long. I think that South Africa has the capacity. If you look at China um, way back in 1978, South Africa was better than them. But today, the Chinese mm. economy so, is so, exactly. so, so large. They are doing very well. Between 1978 and now, the Chinese economy has been able to elevate over 800 million people from abject poverty. But what is South Africa doing? Well, it's no, a good so, it's a good point. Let's let's leave it at that. Thank you for your time. Um, we'll let yeah, him make it respond to that, and and maybe as we're going to wrap up now, also respond to the issue of that. It's not just about trade, but also skills transfer. What is it can we that we can learn uh, from the Chinese? I mean, I got someone who messaged me yesterday. So I'm in Korea. What can what can we do to arrange some sort of a skills transfer exchange uh, with, with the Koreans? So what can we learn from China? Well, you know, there's a lot we can learn from China. Um, China, for example, has joint ventures. Uh, When the Chinese car industry started, the Chinese could not make the the quality of the standard of a car made in the West. So they had to learn from from the, 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 the people who had top quality products. And you know, the, the, when the Chinese started uh, opening their market to, to, for the Chinese people to buy cars, the cars they were buying were Volkswagens made in Newton Hague in South Africa. That's how the Chinese car industry started. They were buying cars from, from South Africa. South African beer, South African breweries was one of the largest foreign companies that was making beer in China because uh, uh, South African breweries was producing a quality product that the Chinese could not match. So, so South African, so they were drink, uh, drinking a beer. They called it snowflake, I think the beer, but, but it was made by South African breweries. But what the Chinese did, they insisted that when South African breweries made beer in China, they had to have a Chinese partner, and the Chinese partner studied how South African breweries was making beer. So, so that's what we also have to do with the Chinese. If, if they want to set up a factory here, we have to insist they must have South African partners who work with them, who study the technology, uh, who study how they manage their businesses, so that if we decide to set up a similar uh, business to theirs, we have the skills that uh, that we have acquired from the Chinese. That's how the Chinese do their business. I mean, the later one of the most prominent examples 
is the high-speed trains in China. Today, China has the largest um, uh, fleet of, of uh, what are called bullet trains, very high-speed trains. But a lot of that technology came from Germany. Mm-hmm. They, the Chinese lent it from the Germans. So, so there's nothing wrong in learning from somebody. Okay, there's something wrong if you steal the technology. That's a good point. But, but the point but, is we, we need yeah. to be aware to, about these changes around the world. Let's leave it at that, um, Willetsi and Becky. Thank you, as always, for your time. Hopefully, we'll chat again about some other issues, maybe South Africa sometime soon, and, and, and the goings-on around corruption and poor leadership, etc., etc. Thank you, as always. Most appreciated. There's a, there's a voice note I'll play now. Then we'll talk uh, around 